I had this uh, friend of mine. He was, uh, his name was Frank. He was this uh, great, great athlete. He was kind of good at whatever the sport. He was just kind of a natural. He played, I know he played uh, in high school. He played uh, football and lacrosse. I think he played basketball as well. Um, college, he played football. He was a defensive back. And uh, his junior year, he was playing a game. Uh, he was up in, I think he was up in Rochester, some college in Rochester. And he broke his neck. He broke his neck um, making a tackle. The injury put him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Uh, he was a quadriplegic. He could, he could move his uh, arms and his, you know, kind of from, I guess, from the chest up. He was, he, he could move, you know, but he couldn't, you know, he couldn't shake your hands. You know, he had a special clip for, to write, you know, because he couldn't hold a pen. Um, certainly couldn't walk. Um, we were classmates in the seminary. So I only knew him post-injury. He was kind of an amazing guy. Uh, he was beloved. Uh, he had this ability to just bring out the best in people. Um, and he was incredibly, because of the injury, he was incredibly dependent on people. Getting in and out of bed, getting dressed, getting showered. You know, he had health issues as a result. Um, infections kind of were kind of a semi-consistent experience. But he just had this remarkable spirit, this incredibly positive attitude. Uh, we were in awe. I mean, everybody who met him was just wowed by this guy. Um, and I had the privilege of becoming real close to him. We couldn't believe his positivity. Um, we believed it. I mean, we did. We couldn't believe it, but we knew it was true because we witnessed it. We knew it was real, but we just couldn't figure it out. I mean, I would, I was, he had nurses who would help him most of the time doing all that I mentioned there, but there were days when that didn't work out or um, if we were traveling, myself and a couple of friends, we would end up, you know, kind of doing that care for him. So we would see firsthand how tough it was but he just never seemed to get down. Um, one day I was in his room and I was helping him. I was putting on his shoes. We were getting ready to go to the chapel for a morning prayer, the seminary. And I'm kind of kneeling down in front of him and I'm putting on a shoe. And then he just says to me, out of nowhere, like we weren't even talking at that point. It was early in the morning and he goes, you know, if I could take this injury away, the paralysis, I wouldn't. And I remember just like sitting there, like staring at his shoe at that point, just like trying to process what he just said. And he explained. He said, uh, he said the injury changed his life in obvious ways but also in not so obvious ways. 
Things that never would have happened to him did because of the injury. Good things, he said. People he met, experiences he had. Like I said, I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but I believed it because I just knew him and I loved him. I just knew it was so authentic. And it wasn't like it wasn't just a an overly positive statement on a really good day. Like, he was that way pretty much always. Anyway, I think, I think Frank had two things, certainly two things going for him. One was this, I think God gave him a gift. He did give him this ability to be uniquely positive and hopeful. Like, it really was a gift. He referenced it at times. I remember him telling me about when he was in, after the injury and, you know, surgeries and, you know, rehab, which went on for, you know, months, and being among people with similar injuries, and so many of them were just so, so depressed and bitter and angry. And, and he just said he kind of never was. He didn't take credit for it, but he just... So yeah, I think part of it was just a gift. But it wasn't all a gift. I think Frank chose gratitude. I think he made somewhere along the way a conscious decision to be grateful for his life despite the challenges. Challenges which most of us would think, like, I don't even know if I could, I could do it. He was grateful. I think he just chose it. I was reading this article um, about the first Thanksgiving, and sort of like, you know, some of the differences between, you know, what we learned about it as little kids, and then kind of the reality. You know, we kind of sanitized a lot of it. I mean, but kind of like a more honest historical take is like, wow, it's like it was just the brutality of the experience of the pilgrims, how difficult it was. You know, we little kids in second grade, you, we dress up in the costumes and we have little processions. There were 102 passengers on the Mayflower. They landed in Plymouth, November of 1620. Before the end of that winter, 45 of the 102 would be dead. And then I was reading this description of the, the voyage, the Mayflower itself. The passengers lived in, they lived in the area where normally the cargo was stored. It was a section below where the, the crew lived. It was 60 by 25. So try and just get a, get a, a mental picture of that. 60 feet by 25 feet. And the ceiling was five feet high. 
and 102 people lived there. 60 by 25, 102 people for 60 days. It wasn't a celebrity cruise. And then they gathered to say thank you. They gathered to thank God. 44% of this group were dead by that point. By the first Thanksgiving, 44% were dead. And they were still grateful. Man, if there was a group that maybe you'd say had a right to say, you know what, I'm going to pass on gratitude this year. I'm not feeling so grateful to God about anything this past year. Wouldn't it be them with those statistics? I think the pilgrims and my friend, my friend Frank, they figured something out. I think they realized that gratitude was really a choice. Being grateful is a choice. And if we fail to choose it, then we become the opposite. We become ungrateful. There's kind of no middle ground. It's one or the other. If I'm not a grateful person, I'm probably going to be kind of ungrateful. Gratitude isn't dependent on the circumstances of your life. I think it's dependent on our attitude. Come on, it's easy to be grateful, isn't it? When things are good. When life is good, of course, we're like, and that's a no-brainer. How easy is it to be like, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, God. But when, we, when we're able to do that, when we're on the Mayflower, That's kind of incredible. I mean, if gratitude is dependent on a good life, good details, how is Frank so thankful? He never walked again. He died about a year and a half ago, really as a result of the injury. I remember he used to tell me about his fear of infection. And he said that was probably, I remember him telling me this, that that's probably what was going to get him, and it would get him way younger than, he was 60. And I think he was the most grateful guy I ever knew. How could the pilgrims have been so grateful after that miserable year? Listen to this. This is from a, it's kind of a, like a sermon from this Protestant uh, theologian pastor. Gratitude isn't just an emotion. It's something to do. It's like tending a garden. It takes planting and watering and weeding. It takes time and attention. But eventually, the ground yields 
and thanksgiving blooms. I think he's right. You know, uh, in 1987, Pope John Paul II, he came to the States. This was, I think, his second trip as Pope. First time he came to the East Coast, to New York and Boston and D.C. This time he went out to the West Coast. And it was this great night. He had this, uh, there was this youth rally in Los Angeles, this big arena, thousands of kids. And uh, just different young people kind of getting up. It wasn't a mass. It was just sort of like these different sort of presentations and performances that these young people were giving to the Holy Father. The stage was kind of an interesting setup. The Pope was like on one stage, and there were these two other ones. So the two other ones were where these young people were kind of taking turns, getting up and welcoming him and presenting to him. So he's sitting on one stage, and he'd kind of look to the left at one point, and then when that was done, he'd kind of go over here and look at the other. Anyway, there was this moment where one of these, uh, one finished, and then we went to this, uh, the other stage, and this guy is sitting up there, and he's, he begins to sing. Great voice. But that was kind of happening throughout the night. But then you realize, when you look a little bit closer, the guy who's singing has no arms. So you kind of do a double take, and now you're like, you can't help but watch this. And then you realize he's playing the guitar with his feet. Like it was just kind of shocking. Like legitimately playing the guitar with his feet. Cameras kind of going back and forth, and you got the singer, and then you got the Pope. You could see the Pope was moved by this, and you couldn't not be. He finishes the song, the crowd goes crazy, standing ovation, and it's clearly like off the, off the script, spontaneous moment. The Pope gets up, and he leaves his stage, and he makes his way kind of a little bit through this crowd, and he goes, reaches up to the other stage to embrace this guy, and, and he kisses him. It was just one of those moments. The singer, his name was uh, is Tony Melendez. He instantly became like a sensation. And he was asked shortly after that in an interview, you know, if he had the opportunity to be born with arms, <laughs> like a craziness of that question almost. If you had the opportunity to be born with arms, would you? And he said, God graced me the way I am. So no, it wouldn't change anything. So let's add him to that unique gratitude club. Frank, the pilgrims, this guy Tony, Maybe we add the leper from this gospel this morning, this one who came back. The other 10 just got caught up, I guess, in other stuff. And this one guy remembered to say thanks. Gratitude isn't just an emotion, it's something we do, said that pastor. Well, it's Thanksgiving. 
So let's do it. Let's join that club.